Welcome to the Morning Star Show with Super Sly 75. You're listening to onthewakeupradio.com. Sign up for otwtube.com, uncensored free speech platform. Shout out to our super producer, Cindy Ashby. All shows are live on thewakeupradio.com. Catch replays on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio, as well as otwtube.com. And now back to your host, Super Sly 75. Hola, como estas? Hola, como estas? What's happening? I dragging ass today, y'all. Look, got my tan is coming in, though. I'm clearly like a shade darker. So I'm out here tanning. The tan is real. What's bracking, everybody? What's bracking? Climatics in the house. Adrian, what's happening? What's happening? Oh, okay, wait, wait. Or how if the man in the relationship doesn't keep tidy, the woman usually follows a trend if even if she was clean prior to. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The keyboard, what's happening? Be wise. Right on, right on. What? You came to see me. Doesn't matter. The stream ain't important. You here now. I'll, let me shut this, I'll shut this down for you. Fuck all this. Yeah, yeah. Wish that was at seven o'clock. No, you said okay. No, no, no. That's what we gonna do. We gonna go to the records. Spider webs. What the heck? What are you? Oh, you said I'll be home around seven. No, I don't know. No, you said I'll be home around seven. Hold up, I gotta, I gotta be a fucking husband. Hold on, y'all. Shit. Oh, fuck. Shut up. I just started. Get on you. She's so damn extra. You know it's bad when you have it, you know, a couple hours. I miss you. Like, fuck, you've only been going for four hours. Would I miss you? That's how you know you got a killer on your hands. All right, yeah, yeah, what's happening? All right, Nicole B, yeah, Gene, yeah. Uh-oh, no, I ain't never looking. For... I ain't, no, 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 no. Stevie B, what's happening? Nick's in the house. Carrie's here, yay. All right, let's get into this. What, what, what are you, what are you doing? Lord have mercy, y'all don't understand what goes on in this house. Candace, what's happening? Don't you hate when it's so hot at night that you come across spider webs that just, listen, it'd be cr- out here. Like, 
spider webs be on the car like every night literally like i'll every night when i whatever i I'll pull the car into the driveway every morning there's spider webs on the car they do not fuck around they do not they don't waste time out here okay it's hot as hell here waiting for rainy season Backbone's in the house. What's happening? Bun's in the house. All right. Yeah. Okay. Usual suspects. Edmund. I got my peeps is here. Okay. I feel good. Listen, before I get into these, these, these subjects, I want to talk to some of these YouTubers. I want to talk to some of these YouTubers that are not demonetized. Okay. Oh, term again. Do I still sound? You know what, let's do this. Hold up, hold up. No, let's see. Nick told me to turn the thing up. Let's see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. Who's Max? Oh, the Husky? The Lettuce? All right. Yeah, all right. Is that how that sounds? Sound good? If Nick don't say I don't sound good, I don't, then I don't sound good. Okay. Hopefully I sound good. Now, you know, you did wrong for that thumbnail. Come on, man. Now, how? Listen, we, we've all been there. Well, yes, we've all been there. We've been the guy that's been with the woman and the baby's in the bed. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I know it sounds crass. Don't act like no one's been with the woman and the baby's in the bed with <laughs> it is, it, no i can't be the only one like you're there with the woman and like the newborn is like right next no no so i'm the only one i can't be the only one i can't be the only one but it's like a t not even a toddler but it's not quite a newborn but it's not like it's not a toddler no one's been there. No, no, no. nobody. Carrie's in there. That's great. I'm sorry. All right, all right, okay. But before I get to the the whole that thing, because that happens a lot. You know, truth be told. Yo, I wanna I wanna talk to um. I wanna talk to uh, demonetized content creators put him in the crib first what if they don't have a crib high chief what if they don't have a ch what if they don't have a crib <laughs> right <laughs> i ain't the only one <laughs> judge me all you want i can take it i can take it i can take it it, listen, and I'm telling you, I've never had one time where the baby woke up. Never. 
Never. Ask me how many times the baby w- wakes up. Zero. Zero. All right. Let me do this real quick. Let me um. Let me parlay some some things that I have learned during my time here on YouTube. Here's what I did not know. I just learned this. Um, foot last week. So I reached out to my manager. Now this, 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 um, this narrative or, 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 you know, the story goes, once you hit a hundred thousand, you get a, you know, you get a YouTube case manager. Listen, I don't have a hundred thousand subs. I have a YouTube partner manager. They're called a YouTube partner manager. Let me impart some wisdom and some game to you guys. And I wish I had my pen. I got a pen. Okay. I got a pen. So demonetized content creators that I know off the top of my head, coach Greg Adams, angry man recently was demonetized. Uh, uh, Red Supreme is demonetized. Uh, uh, Brother Sanchez is demonetized. Uh, 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 Psychopathius is demonetized. Psychopath. Okay. So one, two, three, four, five demonetized channels that I know off top. Here's what my YouTube partner manager told me. Not was this two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, right? Oh, Tony, so thank you for the two hundred super chat. You and AM One live stream was a stand up comedy show. I appreciate that. He appreciates that. Okay, now, um, <clears throat> now some people will argue it's bad business to run a demonetized channel on YouTube. I. That's why I don't post my main because the main is still being reviewed. I I've learned for me is it's counterproductive for me to run a channel that is not monetized. I put it's too hard. It's too much work. It's just too much for it to not be monetized. That's my personal opinion. Feel free to, to come to your own conclusions. I'm sure other YouTubers that would agree with me and there's some that would disagree with me. Now, here's what I'm saying. So <clears throat> I did not know this part of it. So when you reapply for monetization, right? And if you, if they don't green light you the first under the first review, they have a committee. I did not know about the committee part. Okay. So Amanda hits me up. She said, basically keep in mind delays are possible due to higher than usual application volumes System issues or resource limitations. All YPP applications are serviced in the order they're received by us. Here we go. Now, here's the kicker. Here's what they don't tell you. Sometimes channels require multiple reviews, especially when several reviewers disagree on your channel's suitability for YPP. Okay. If several reviewers disagree. Okay. I did not know there was a committee 
that oversees every person's channel per se. If the, and they all if they all agree, you get you get the monetization. All right. Now I'm not suggesting you do what I did to get your monetization back, but hopefully this information will help those moving forward. Um, <clears throat> I mean, if they're okay with running a demonetized channel, that's their right. That's their privilege. I personally cannot do it. it. This is too much. This is too taxing, too draining for me to run a demonetized channel. I refuse. And like I said, I did not know there is a committee. If you have a sketchy channel that they will sit around and look at it and either give you the thumbs up or thumbs down. And if it's a majority thumbs down, you will not get the monetization. All right. Um, and, and, and really, I'm really, I'm speaking to angry man per se, cause bro, for you to have nearly half a million subs and your channel just recently be, been just demonetized. That is a waste of a channel. That's a waste of a channel. Brother Sanchez is at like 100, 145,000. To me, that's a waste of a channel. CGA, his other channel, the one that's demonetized, that's at like 90,000. To me, that's a waste of a channel. I refuse to run a channel that big and to be demonetized. I can't do it. So to each his own, once again, keep that in mind. If, you're, if you, your channel's on the fence, as far as the, uh, the content, if it's deemed sketchy, um, it goes in front of a committee and they all have to agree to give it to you. All right. So, all right, I'm off of that. I'm off of that. <clears throat> I'm off of that. Now let's get to Mike Tyson. What Mike Tyson said. <laughs> now, literally, literally we had the daughter. See, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw, I'm not going to throw stones at him. I, I'm just. Listen, there's ways to make up. I agree. There's ways to make up that income. But once again, I'm, I'm, I'm looking, you know, not, not in per perpetuity, but I'm just saying six months from now, I want these videos and these live streams to be generating some sort of, some sort of money, you know, that's, that's me. Okay. <clears throat> so Mike Tyson gave his opinion on Jamie Foxx. Um, I find it ironic that the daughter last week was trying to shut down all the or, or uh, accuse all the blog sites of misinformation. I mean, we all know better because nobody's stupid. Okay. So this is what uh, Mike Tyson had to say about Jamie Foxx. Now I'm waiting for someone to challenge Mike Tyson on what he said about Jamie Foxx. Let's go. Are you following what's going on with uh, Jamie Foxx? He's not feeling well. Something's going on with. Yeah, this is a stroke. I have no idea what happened to him. Now wait a minute. Now, this last week, the daughter said he's been out of the hospital for weeks playing pickleball. And then, and then this one picture shows up out the blue of him holding a pickleball. Uh, paddle because now now all of a sudden he's endorsed by a pickleball brand let's continue yeah hey listen we can't anticipate our next breath we don't know when we're gonna die 
after we leave this, bad stuff kept happening. Was, wasn't there, like, stories of him playing your life? Well, or? it was a possibility. You know, I don't know what's going to happen now, but, you know, it's a strong possibility. Yeah. Has there any been any actual news uh, news on what this medical condition is? I mean, Jimmy Fox is a young, vibrant, healthy guy. Hey, listen, um, if we don't know by now, they don't want us to know. Yeah. All right, there it is there. There it is there. They don't want us to know. Um, <laughs> so by, once again, from what's being said, it seems we're going to get the DeMar Hamlin version. At, what, what, what month is this? What is this? May? I would say by late June, we'll start seeing, you know, these long distance shots of him doing stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it is what it is at this point. Make of it what you will. But like Tyson said, if they wanted us to know, we'd know already. So there it is. And yeah, for those that, because he uh, was supposed to, supposed to play Mike Tyson in his biopic. I remember they had the synopsis. They already had the script. They even actually shot like a reel for it. Because Jamie Foxx at one point described the shot. And how they would shoot the trailer for it. And um, from what he said, it sounded good. You know what? Let's see if I can find that. Let me see if I can find Jimmy Fox describing that opening scene. Let's do that. Because from the way he described it, this movie is going to be fucking epic. Jimmy Fox, Mike Tyson. Um movie description where the hell is it is this it I want the, I don't want this I don't no I don't want that I want him when he actually told the story all of y'all Nope, that's him training. I don't care about that. I wanted when he was actually sat down with somebody and described the opening shot. And it was like a slow, it was a slow crawl shot. Oh, shoot. Oh, here it is. I found it. I found it. I found it. Here we go some sort of CGI to play a young Mike. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna what's play... going to happen is, is that they have the new the new technology now that, uh, as a matter of fact, Mark Scorsese has perfected, would allow us to play him young as well because we were talking about who do we get to play the young mm -hmm. Mike Tyson. Mm -hmm. Luckily, the technology is on our side. Let me give you the opening of the movie. The camera is high, but not as high as the heavens, just above the trees, and it's snaking through New York. Somewhere in New York, and it's cold, and people are on their way to work. It's just one camera, and you hear focus mitts being hit. <laughs> in the distance and it's just capturing it's capturing regular day blue collar people you know what I'm saying in the hood it's mm. just regular you know people on their way somewhere and then we get up to this boxing gym we see the doors and the camera stops and you hear the doors open magically camera snakes in and we see in the distance a hulking figure holding focus mitts and a little kid hitting the mitts and you hear the kid asking the hulking figure my dad said you were amazing 
My dad said you was one of the best. You was boss. You was this. You was that. And you hear the person's voice. Don't worry about what your dad said. Just throw the right. Make sure you keep your left though to get your head knocked off. And as the camera gets closer, you see that it's now Mike Tyson. No, but my dad said, I'm going to tell you one time, don't, don't say anything about your dad. I don't care. That was back in the day. Just throw the left. And when you shoot the right, shoot it with, some, shoot it with authority. Shoot like you mean it. And he throws it right, and he hits Mike, and Mike acts like he's falling in super slow motion. Ah! And when he hits the ground, ding, 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 he's back at the last fight. He got knocked, knocked out. Knocked out. And, he's, in, and he, yeah, he's there. And as you see him, the last fight, he's on the ground, and he rests back on the ropes, and he sees everybody talking shit. Everybody saying, get up, Mike. Some people saying, you a bum. Some people saying all the things that people were saying, because we were split at that time. And he rests back on the road, spits his mouthpiece out, and it goes calm. And you just hear, <laughs> and he's saying, I'm done with all of this. And all of a sudden, just as we relax into that moment, the ref comes up, one, two. Yeah. And we flash back to the young Mike type. That's how it opened. So Ooh, that's how fire. <laughs> Yo, that, that shit sounds dope, right? That shit sounds epic. Yo, bring back this clone version so we can get this Mike Tyson movie. This shit's phenomenal. That shit sounds phenomenal. Sign me up. I am here for the the doppelganger Jamie Foxx doing this Mike Tyson movie. That shit sounds Magnifico. That sounds magnifico. That, yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Yo, Farron, thank you for the 777 on the cash app. <laughs> okay. Now let's get to um the thumbnail. <laughs> I was looking for a nice, a nice, clean, you know, uh, you know, a nice, clean thumbnail. I, I tried, but it is what it is. Um, listen, do not get in between a mother and her man. Or, 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 you know, the guy that she's into or the guy that's taking her to pound town. Um, if you're an older child, a teenager, right, there will be times when that teenager will test the boundaries and purposely insert themselves in between the mother and her man. And when the mother makes a choice, of choosing her man against her child. Now we're not, I'm not talking toddlers and little children. I'm talking if you are a stone cold teenager, 13, 14, 15, and you create, and you try to create friction in, in this woman's home in which this man resides. Don't be surprised if the mom chooses the man. Why am I saying this? Because we're going to play a clip from this, the van life chick. This happened to her. But even more importantly, there's another content creator that this happened to him. And because 
his mother chose her man over him, he had to spend a year in foster care. Okay. He had to spend a year in foster care because he came in between his mama and her man. Now, some of y'all may say, nope, man should never come before the children. I, I hear you. But let me tell you something. Two of the most powerful motivating factors on this planet. Hunger and sex. Hunger and sex. Hunger and sex. Uh, you know, if given a, a, enough time, would trump uh, the motherly instincts or the motherly child bond okay do not dismiss the power of hunger and sex understand so let's get into this crazy ass lady yeah that happened to antonio brown yeah 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 <laughs> i'm i'm making a point i'm making a point okay it happens more often than people care to realize right so let's continue let's continue let's get into this this is homegirl that lives in a car She's telling her story about she came in between her mama and her man. And it didn't go it didn't go well for homegirl. Let's go. My daughter went to school with you. I told her I've been encouraged by watching videos about this woman living in her car. And so I'm getting an RV, RV living, and I showed her your picture. I wasn't going to post this video, but I realized that there's so many lessons in this. And here we are. Hi, Cinder. I did go to school with your daughter and I do remember her and I remember you too. You and I never officially met. We just kind of met through an unfortunate passing. Story time. It was almost exactly 20 years ago to this day. I was having a rough day. I had just run away from home, maybe. Anyway, I had ran away from home just a few days prior and I invited your daughter, I'm gonna call her A, to come hang out with me after school. We didn't skip school. After school, we went and hung out. And honestly, I can't remember what we did. I think we probably just went to the mall or maybe we went into town and just kind of walked around and did some sightseeing a little bit. We had- So we already have a wayward teen. So you're at that age, when you start to run away from home, you testing the boundaries and the limits and you testing your, your parents' patience, your mom's patience. You do all that stupid stuff that teens do do. All right, let's continue. A great time. And I needed that. Then after having such a great time, we were heading back to the school so that you can pick her up. She started to have anxiety. She started to tell me that she was going to be in trouble. You were going to beat her ass. And I don't know if you really were going to. Maybe you were. I don't know. Everyone used that term. I'm going to beat your ass. Oh, my ass about to get beat. <laughs> you know, whatever. And I remember just telling her it's going to be okay. I'll talk to her and maybe I'll ask her for a ride to get to the bus. I was just trying to keep her in good spirits because we had such a good time. <sighs> so we make it to the school, walk up to the car. She gets in the car, close the door and y'all just take off. And I was there alone in the dark with nowhere to go. I never got a chance to talk to you or introduce myself and I didn't <laughs> get to ask for a ride. Um, but that's what happened. That's that's how we met. I told y'all I ran away, so let me rewind a little bit. Uh -huh. So just a few days before that, I was at home. I live with my mom, her boy. I live with my mom and her boyfriend. I live with my mom and her boyfriend. Okay, let's go. Ran away, so let me rewind a little bit. So just a few days before that, I was at home. 
I live with my mom, her boyfriend, and his two kids. One of his daughters came into the room and was like, hey, my dad's been calling you. He wants to talk to you on the phone. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't hear it. I was doing my hair. I had my music on, um, oblivious to the outside world. I pick up the phone and he's like, what's your problem? I've been calling you. And I'm like, I didn't know. I didn't hear it, but what's up? What's up? Yeah, you called me. What the fuck do you want? I mean, I didn't say that, <laughs> but that was in my head. So he hangs up the phone and about 10 minutes later, comes to the house, darts in my room and is like, what's your problem? I'm like, super confused. Don't know what the hell the problem is. And he walks up to me and he does this on my forehead uh -oh. and I'm sitting on a stool with no back. So I started to fall back and what felt like slow motion. I remember saying to myself, bitch, you're not about to go down by yourself. <laughs> so I reached up. It felt like the matrix. I reached up and grabbed him and brought him down with me. And we just started fighting, like fist fighting, fighting like two grown fucking men. But in reality, he was a grown ass man fighting a minor. My mom was there trying to pull us apart. Once she got us apart, they left out of my room. I closed the door, locked it, and I called the police. Unfortunately, my mom said that she didn't see anything. She didn't know what happened. Remember the scene in Baby Boy, what Melvin told, you better get him before I kill him. What did Melvin tell old girl? You better get him before I kill him. Y'all better stop testing your mama's boundaries when it comes to her sexual pleasure. She may surprise you at, at your ranking of importance. Okay, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Don't test, you know, how important a woman's sexual pleasure is to her, especially if you you her own child and you you uh, you know and you're an older teen too. Don't play that game. You may not like the outcome. Let's continue. Mama says she ain't see nothing. Let's go. And, and that I had done it to myself. The scratches and the bruises, everything I had done it to myself. So the police did not take him, and basically I was stuck there in the house. And I knew I had to get the fuck out of there. So I called this guy that I met online. We had not met in person. I'll call him B. We had been like internet friends, low key, just a little bit of flirting, but not really for like two or three years. I was like, hey, this just happened. I need somewhere to go. Can I come stay with you? And he said, yes. Lesson number one, don't do that. Don't meet people from the internet and immediately move in with them. <laughs> I, was, I was under duress, so I did what I had to do. I told y'all I've been getting into shenanigans since day one. It, to be completely honest, it's not the only time I've done it. And I'm just glad that I'm here to tell y'all all the stories about it. So anyway, <laughs> after I got off the phone with him, I packed a bag. I went to bed with my door locked. I woke up early just so that I was up before everyone else. And I took my duffel bag and I put it in my mom's trunk because she took me to school in the morning. Lesson number two, if you are in a volatile or abusive situation, don't be obvious about leaving come up with the plan and then get the fuck out of there. Anyway, I went back inside, got ready for school. My mom took me to school. And once we got to the campus, I told her to pop the trunk because I had something in there that I needed to get out. She did, grabbed my duffel bag and I ran into school. After school, I catch the train. I get off on the stop and he's not answering his phone. But the night before he gave me another number to call, I call the number, some dude picks up. I'll call him the man and I asked to speak to him. He told me he wasn't there. And I was like, okay, well, I talked to him last night and he told me that I can come stay with him for a couple days. So can you give me directions on how- You are a young female teenager and your best course of action is to stay with random men. So now we fast forward 20, 30 years later and now she has this abandonment lifestyle because we all know she left her, her daughter to stay with her parents while she does this this car life shit, right? Uh, okay, uh, okay, let's continue. 
to get there. For just a split second, he was like, uh, okay, like just a little hesitant, but he was like, I'm here at the house. I can just come pick you up. And I was like, okay, that's fine. So he came to pick me up, brought me to the house and hours had passed. Still cannot get in contact with B. It's getting dark. Multiple people are in and out. And then eventually I discovered that it's not B's place. It's not his place. It's the man. The man is the man who picked me up. <laughs> it's his place. I, I actually, I don't remember that conversation if he asked me what happened or what was going on or why I was there, but he was like, sure, you can stay here. Anyway, um, eventually B comes like close to midnight. And at that point, I think I was like sleep, but um, I was like, hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> but at that point, I already knew it wasn't his place. And I just, I didn't give a fuck. Like I was just so emotionally drained and tired. I went back to sleep. And the next day I went back to school as if nothing had ever happened. I would catch the train to school and catch the train back. So I've been there for a few days now. And at this point, I discovered that this is the hangout spot. They were all in college and they would all come to his place and just crash. It would be anywhere between three to eight people. Some people sleeping on the floor, some people sleeping on the couch. I would sometimes sleep in the bed with the man, but he never tried anything. He was always super, super respectful. And Y'all believe that? I mean, hey, anything's possible. You know, anything's possible. I mean, but if y'all believe what she's telling y'all, hey, sure, okay. If you believe what this this woman is telling you about her time as a runaway, running away from home because the mama said this man's phallus is more important than you right now in my stage of life, right? You know, yeah, precious. What did Monique's character say? I couldn't let him let her take my man. Mm 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 Right, Chauncey, thank you for the two hundred super chat, bro. <laughs> Future says she belongs to the streets. I'm telling you, man. Paper oh no, Lord, Lord, let's continue. I used to cook for them and and clean, and that was you know the way that I would contribute. Lesson, whatever this one is, if someone is allowing you to stay at their house because you're in a situation and you don't have the financial means to contribute, do something else. If they have groceries, cook. If clean up. You know, do something. Don't just be laying around on the couch and freeloading and stuff. I was emotionally going through it, but I still knew I have to contribute in some way since I can't do it financially. Now, I wasn't going to do it sexually. <laughs> uh -huh. Okay. All right. I was really the only female. Y'all believe this chick? Y'all believe nobody was. Let me pull that picture. Y'all believe they weren't. They didn't know when. The only chick. Okay. Y'all believe this. All right. Oh, you throwing up gang. Oh, you blood. Oh, okay. Sue. You, you out here shoe whooping, huh? All right, bricking and bracking. Okay, if y'all believe, <laughs> yeah, okay. Only female there. There was one other girl, um, but she wasn't there as often. Like I, I lived there, <laughs> so I was there every day. I felt way safer there than I did at home until this one day. Uh, oh, there was oh, a dude there. Oh, until this one day, I can't wait to hear this. Please tell us, regale us with a story. I'll call him M. He sold drugs, and I think he shorted someone or he owed someone. One morning, um, these dudes came to the house at like four o'clock in the morning. They were like knocking on the door, knocking on the window, trying to find him, trying to get him to come out. And all I remember is the man, he was like, get down, get down on the floor. He tells M, he was like, you you gotta get out of here. Like, don't bring that shit around here. We got a female in the house. And I remember him saying that, and I'm like, oh, he's talking about me. He's, he's protecting me. Um... <laughs> I've never been in that situation, but I've also never felt protected like that. Anyway, M eventually left out. And since I was already up, I just started getting ready for school. So I get to school and I'm just like, I just need 
to turn this frown upside down, okay? <laughs> so I asked A if she wants to hang out after school and I'm so grateful that she did. Even though maybe she knew she was gonna get in trouble, maybe not, I don't know, but she came with me and we had a great time. I know that you're probably gonna see this A, I appreciate you for taking that time to come hang out with me, even if it got you in trouble. So let's fast forward to the moment we get back to the school and she gets in the car with her mom and they drive off and I am just there in the dark and just just going through it alone the unalive thoughts were like really really heavy it was hard it was a hard day it was a fucking it was a fucking hard day there was nowhere to go that i wanted to go i just didn't want to be here i didn't want to be alive i, I none of that i'm walking to the bus stop because i knew it was going to be there in like five minutes and it was the last bus of the night and as I'm walking, I remember I had a cigarette in my pocket. I had the cigarette in my pocket because the man smoked cigarettes. And because I cared about him so much, he was so kind to me. I wanted to protect him. I wanted him to be healthy and, you know, all that. So I, I took a cigarette so he wouldn't smoke it. But I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna smoke the cigarette. And I felt so much better. Wow. I was like, this is why people smoke cigarettes. I feel fantastic. And I said, you know what? Everything is going to be okay. Everything's gonna be fine. I'm gonna make it to the bus stop on time. I'm gonna go back to the man's house. At least I have a place to stay. It won't be forever, but one day I'm gonna get out of this. One day it's gonna get better. And then I was like, I'm addicted to cigarettes already, immediately. Like if this is how it makes people feel, I can't do this. So I threw the cigarette on the ground, stomped it, never smoked a cigarette again. Lesson, the next one, whatever this is, don't smoke cigarettes. Anyways, I make it to the bus stop. As soon as I got there, the bus came. And I just remember telling myself, try to remain positive. And I just said, you know, everything is going to be okay. Everything's gonna be fine. So I went back to the man's and and that was that. So Cinder, this is how I know you. <laughs> that is the memory that I have of you. Obviously this is no fault of yours. You you were concerned about your daughter, but also this is another lesson. Parents, moms, dads, if your kids have friends who are just a little, you don't know what's going on with them, ask, just ask. Get to know your kids' friends, especially the ones who are just kind of. Ma'am, do you know your kids' friends? Oh, never mind. Your kid lives with your parents because you want to be. Let's do this. Let's go visit her channel. I've talked about her before. Y'all blame Erica Williams for this. Erica, stop sharing this woman's sad, dysfunctional shit on YouTube. Let's go look at her channel. YouTube. YouTube. Stop looking at this woman's channel. Let's see. I live in my car. Got in a fight with all oh, that. Okay, cover that one. Let's see. Let's. See. I live in my car. Going to court. Jesus Christ. I took a picture living in my car every day for three years. Lord have mercy. Are you serious right now? You know what? Let's let's take a look at this. I took a picture of myself living in my car every day for three years. Okay, she's making jokes. Okay, you got jokes. Okay. Let's see. Let's go to the videos. Okay, okay. Three years living in my car. Let's see how she celebrates. This is not an apology. I said what I said. My last video was not about the four Americans in Mexico. It was about my own experience 
in Mexico and how I thought I was gonna get kidnapped and how I've been triggered because of their experience in Mexico. The only thing I said about it was that I thought it was weird that she took three dudes with her to go get a tummy tuck. I'm allowed to voice my opinion because I think it's weird, just like y'all voice y'all's opinion about thinking it's weird that I live in my car. But I don't respond to those comments. I don't make response videos. And the only reason why I'm responding to this video is because it was my experience. I was talking about me. I was talking about me running train with three dudes. And you know what? If I want to run train... <laughs> Y'all, so I was in the midst of editing this video and suddenly I was like, I don't fucking care. <laughs> it is the three year anniversary that I decided to move into my car. So I'm about to turn up. I'm about to go play bingo. I hope y'all have a great night just like I'm about to have another year of shenanigans. So I hope that y'all stay tuned for all the adventures that are about to come. I won't be driving back into Mexico, but it'll be just as fun and crazy. So I will see you guys there. Mwah. This is what we celebrate y'all. Come on, black people. Oh, I'm going to live in my car November this year. Getting prepared now. Just got a few more things to get. I've been studying this for about two years. And I'm going to do it. This is what I wanted since I was a little girl. I just was afraid to, to jump due to my parents. Thanks, girl, for setting this up for other adventure, I guess adventurous women like myself with the shenanigans and all. Are you serious, man? You know what? Someone need to come snatch y'all asses up out of here. I I'm sorry. So somebody need to come snatch y'all at you. Did how many times we talk about situational awareness and when shit happens to women, there's no man to protect. Where are the men? Yes, she chooses. Exactly. She chooses to do this. She chooses to live in her car. This is her. Yes, this is her choice. The same lady. Exactly. Exactly. Let's see. Let's see. What else do we want to count? Arrested for living in my van. Did we cover this one? Let's cover this one. And it's story time, folks. Y'all, I never thought that I would be able to reuse the audio of this clip but the police came and I left and survived to tell you this story, guys. All right, let's get straight to it. So I went to go visit my fiance. I know, I know, I hadn't told you guys I was engaged yet, but I was in the middle of filming Living in My Car and Van Q&A Part 2. And I was gonna tell y'all I am not single. I am engaged and I have not really told anyone, so <laughs> Now, haven't I told y'all somebody gonna want these women? Didn't I just say this last night and then two weeks prior? Doesn't matter what physical, mental, uh, spiritual condition these women are in, somebody's going to want their asses. But let's continue. <laughs> but then this happened. Two hours away from home. I like to stay local in case. So I'm trying to film. Okay, listen, guys, really quickly. So here's the thing. So I've been um, filming and posted in this neighborhood and the neighborhood basically is stalking me at this point because um, they think I'm in a white van. <laughs>
All right, all right, let's rewind to the beginning. So I arrived to see my fiance a little bit earlier than I intended. She wasn't ready for me, she was still cleaning. And I was not trying to be part of that. So I leave and I go to this parking lot to just hang out and chill in my van because I live in here and that's what I do. I park at the very, very end. No one is next to me, I'm not bothering anyone. So I'm in this parking lot. I wasn't there for more than five minutes. When this dude comes up in his truck, parks right in front of the van, he gets out and start peeking in the windows like, hey, is this for sale? He's yelling out, is this for sale? Is this for sale? I had to crack the back window and yell out like no go away like it's not for sale he's like okay i'm sorry my bad and then he gets in his truck he circles around and goes right back into his driveway he saw me park there because he was outside cutting his grass and his driveway is right across the street from the parking lot but like i said i was on the very end of it nowhere near his house not bothering anyone just literally minding my business 10 minutes later he does the same thing he drives up to the van he revs up his engine and then he turns around and goes and parks right back in his driveway like trying to intimidate me 10 minutes later he does the same exact thing. So within like 30 minutes, I've already had an encounter with him three times. There was another dude, but I can only show you his backside because when he got out of the truck, his, like his, his thing was hanging out. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why, but I guess, I guess he assumed the van was also for sale, but I don't know why he walked to the back of it with his I don't know. <laughs> I guess he was trying to get a discount. I have no idea. Eventually I left. Uh, my fiance was ready for us to go have dinner and and that was that a couple days later I needed to film a video. So I went back to the parking lot. I wasn't thinking anything of it I was just trying not to be in anyone's oh, way. Yeah, I think she is a lesbian, right? Yeah If I remember correctly, yeah, I believe she is she she she's a lesbian. I mean, I have nothing I don't you know, but if I remember correctly, yeah And then the same dude comes again drives around the van revs up his engine and then just goes back into his driveway I don't know what he was trying to do. I, I don't know but I just knew that I wasn't gonna park there anymore. So the next day when I went to the store, I decided to leave out of the neighborhood on a different street so that he wouldn't see me coming in and out. I see this dead end street. It's in an open area, no houses are nearby. And I was like, this is perfect. I can be out in the sun, I can chill, I can edit my videos, I can film videos, I can do whatever I want. Just normal shit that I do living in my van. So I went to go film my next video at the dead end and ironically, the dude in the truck is friends with a guy who lives across the street from the dead end. And he just happened to be at his house that moment when I was filming. So once again, he sees me, he comes circles my van, revs up his truck, and then he pulls off when he sees that I pick up my phone to film him. Why, what, what was the point of this? This is still the same dude who keeps following me. Is this really the same dude? Anyway, so one of the things that I, is this really the same dude? This dude keeps following me literally keeps following me after he drives off his friend comes and talks to me through the window but i'll tell you what he said in a minute that was that he left but the next day guys it, it just goes on and on the next day we get a text from my fiance's neighbor talking about sos the cops are outside taking pictures of your van i'm like what the fuck? what is going on around here <laughs> maybe 20 minutes later another guy walks up to the window this is what the friend said and he's like do you need help and i'm like no and he was like well i was just calling because my neighbor and my friend he saw you and he circled around and i was like that's your friend who keeps circling my van tell him he needs to leave me alone the van is not for sale i don't need help and i don't want him to keep circling around my van now everybody knows if if you park an unfamiliar vehicle in a neighborhood that's a close knit neighborhood, people are gonna ask questions. Let's continue. A bunch of parents been coming to me and all because they see the van. They said the van's parked around. I was like, 
Yeah, that's my van, but that's what I said. All right, that's my van. Even if you were just parking around, because you're just parking around, I look for a place to sleep. I don't know how to you being at the dead end report, you being anywhere you want, as long as you're not blocking the roadway, like traffic. I wasn't there. No, I'm saying as long as you're not, there's no okay so most that any cop can do is verify that the vehicle is not stolen and we'd verify the vent if you're not in it if you were sitting at the dead end on your phone and someone called in a suspicious uh we just knock on the window and be like hey are you okay and leave okay okay so how did it go left where did it go left most that any cop can do is verify that the vehicle is not stolen and will only verify the vent if you're not in it like if you were sitting at the dead end playing on your phone and someone called in 107 called in suspicious but that's not what happened. I have to fast forward because there's a lot going on just in general trying to film this. The beach just came in here. <laughs> and there's a lot that happened between that conversation with the cop and what actually happened. Over the course of the next few days, everywhere I went, people were just acting fucking weird around me, taking pictures, chasing after me, um, just giving me weird looks. I'd be driving down the neighborhood and kids are like running and jumping off their bikes. <laughs> yeah, you the problem. It ain't them, they ain't crazy. Stranger danger. Bitch, you the problem. But let's continue. Oh shit, the little boy. <laughs> the little boy is running. And I'm like, why is this still going on? Because we talked to the cop, we talked to a few neighbors, and at this point I was like, okay, something else is going on. And then I remembered that when the officer was there, one of the neighbors mentioned something about a post online. We found the post and there were almost 200 comments just coming up with these stories about what's going on with the van. Taking pictures of the van and posting it online and patrolling the house. Like they were going around and clocking like, oh, it's 11 something PM, the van's still there. It's 2 AM. The van is still there. I basically had a target on my back and didn't even know it in my life. Like, I, I can't, I'm like, what do what you want me to do? I'm not going to let people scare me out of doing what I do on a regular basis. So the next day, I went back to the dead end so that I can film the Q&A response to the video I posted. This is exactly why I don't monetize my videos, even though I have a million followers. And that's when shit hit the fan. So this is the first person I showed you. We've got another one right here. All right, so she's walking up. She calls me a he. Can I help you? What are you doing? I am chilling in my van. What are you doing? The police are coming. Good. At this point, I call my fiance. I'm like, yo, you have to come over here. Um, they just called the cops. The neighbors are out and I'm being surrounded. So rather than go be in the house with your fiance, you rather hang out in your van in a neighborhood that you don't belong to and get everybody riled up for clicks and views. Okay. She tells me, hang up, just start filming. And that's what I did. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? All right. Can you do me a favor and step out of the van? He immediately asked me to step out the van, but didn't ask me my name or why I was there. So I said, I'll step out of the vehicle when she gets here. Subject refusing to exit the vehicle. Dude, I uh -oh. literally just told you I will, but I'm waiting for her because I'm out here alone. Nah, 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 nah. We're not going to play. We're not going to play Matlock on the side of the street. Now, see, see, see. Play stupid games. You want a stupid prize tonight. Let's continue. <laughs> Jeez. Step out of the vehicle now. I'm going to place you under arrest. Okay. But my girl was taking too long. I was like, shit, I'm getting kind of aggressive. <laughs> so I had to get my black ass out of there. And step out of the vehicle. <sighs> step to the front of the vehicle. Oh, there she is. Step to the front of the vehicle. Thank you. Turn around Facebook. You got anything on you we need to know about? No. Stay over there. Do not drive up on us. Stay over there. So this is who I'm uh, I don't visiting. care. We're on a stop. They're not going to drive oh, up. She's on a Can-Am spider. Okay, so the girlfriend, the fiance got a little, got a little chump change. She, she, she pulled up in a Can-Am spider. I'm not mad at that. He's, well, back in the day, we used to call him T-Rex. 
right? They were customized. Right? You couldn't go into a store and actually buy them. Back then they were customized, but now K&M sells them, call them spider. Okay, that's a little too much. Let's go. Oh, boy, man, you set your phone down on the video call. Well, you said I can record. You that's can fine. record. You can record. You, you can keep it on. Okay. That's fine. Go ahead and place your hands on your back. Can you see a police uh, officer detained. Turn Why am I being detained? Man, turn around. Why am I being detained? I'm not going to ask you again. You turn around. Me? Place your hands behind you. You got it? Turn around. You got it? Turn around. I have no idea. The lady who called the cops, you can hear in the background screaming at my fiance when she just asked her like, what's going on? She didn't know who called the cops, but she just asked the nearest person like, what's happening? What's going on? Because she knew that she couldn't approach me. Meanwhile, they also cuffed my girl. Uh, I don't even understand why she was cuffed. She pulled up and asked what was going on, but she never even approached us. After sitting in the back for 45 minutes, they finally let me go because they couldn't charge me with anything. But they did give me a ticket for parking on the wrong side of the road of a dead end street. Then after I signed the ticket, guess what he finally asks? Yeah, after 45 minutes, they finally asked me what I was even doing in the first place. The whole time I was in the back of the truck, I was in there by myself. Nobody asked me shit. Fast forward a little bit more, some other shit happened, but this video is becoming way too long, so I'm trying to wrap it up. The cops left, but there were still some neighbors out, so we went to go talk to them. I showed them my social media. See, I showed no, them the video of the dude circling me. No, we ain't got time for that. Them people don't give a fuck. No. Bitch, leave. 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 Dead end street means if you don't own a house at, on that dead end street, <laughs> technically you're loitering, you know? Don't, people don't want you, don't, no, un, no unfamiliar vehicles at a dead end street. Like, bitch, you don't live here. Wow, let's let's continue. Let's continue. Me in his truck. I showed them the video where I'm filming myself as everything is unfolding. There was no apology, no sympathy, none of that. It was just like, well, you need to understand where we're coming from. And I do. Like, you're concerned about your kids. I get that. This mysterious van that you have not seen before. Again, that you've never seen before. This was not my first time coming to visit her in the van. You just haven't seen it. But I get it. You were concerned. But how concerned were you? And I say you because I know that y'all are. So she comes to visit her fiance instead of going into her house she stays in the van to make content okay watching i showed you my social media and you followed me you guys just wanted to take pictures and then act tough online but you weren't concerned enough to do anything preventative why didn't you write a note and put it in the windshield like hey we're concerned we've never seen this van before no, can you please call one that. of these numbers no. which i would have gladly done no. or why didn't you just come knock on the door of the house where the van was parked in front of for two weeks luckily it was just me if this was a situation where someone really wanted to take your kids they could have because y'all ain't do shit but just act tough online so that's what happened. I really wanted to respond to you guys in the comments, but it got really racial really, really fast. And I'm just not the type of person that will call someone racist. I just don't think that that's fair to do unless I have like hardcore evidence that they are racist. People high up that have power, they will treat you any kind of way because they know that they can. So I can say that he knew that he had the power and he could just treat me any kind of way. So I won't call him a racist, but I'll call him a and I've had plenty of experiences with Nah, nah, sis, nah, no, no, no sympathy. No, no one gives, no, we don't care about you. Let's see what else she talking about. Let's see what else she talking about. I don't care about all this. Lost to Mexico, did not get to hang Mexico. Okay, this is the woman that gave up her child to, to the parent, to her parents. So she can do this. You know what? <sighs> Let's see.
Oh, let's do this. My fiance's efforts. Let's just let's try this. The idea of wearing the same thing every day. Oh, she's I'm inside. Just so excited. <laughs> oh, she ain't got no shape. Oh no, she's all straight. Ugh. She has no shape, no curves. Not that I'm judging her, but jeez. And I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will, however, keep all of my 50 pinups dresses. So whenever I need to look cute, I have something to wear. Gotta keep this bottle of wine. I've had some good memories. Oh, with this is a storage dress. unit? I think what okay. I'll do is keep, I'll keep three regular dresses. Keep my bed and my pole. One thing I don't need, but I want to keep, my Paso a Paso books. I, this is crazy. I, <laughs> I have to what keep this say. Like privacy a little. This is not Wait too long for the tow trucks. My baby tried to surprise me and now she's stuck on the side of the highway. All right, I need to put all of this stuff back and obviously, I need to reconvene. Um, dang it, I started making my piles nice and neat. All right, I need to shower. I, <laughs> she really got me this time. Usually her surprises are all fails. Eh, I wouldn't consider this a fail because I was completely shocked. The funny thing is that this is like the one day I was not checking her location. We share each other's location, which was all her idea. She shared her location with me first and then about a month later, I was like, okay, fine. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't know if I look every day, but I do look often. Why not? I have access. Um, and this was like the one day I did not look at all. So she got me. She got me. I'm frazzled. All right, let me go. Okay, let me clarify. All of her surprises aren't fails. That's just what she says. Because I am the queen of giving gifts and surprises. I love giving gifts and surprises. And because I'm so good at it, she gets super anxious when it's her turn to plan something for me. Like one time she tried to surprise me with an Apple watch and truthfully, I don't wear it that often, but I knew that she was acting weird. I called her out on it and sure enough, I was right. And then once she tried to surprise uh, okay, the on. whole kitchen was done up. It was so good. The food was so good. Shout out to the chef. So this time I had no clue. I had no clue that she was on her way. So she's, she's getting better about her surprises. Truthfully, I don't care if all of her surprises are fails. It's about her effort. Yep. I would rather her surprise me and yeah, have yeah, a yeah, Okay. <laughs> the message of the day is... Y'all still don't believe most women are bisexual? Oh, Y'all still want to de debate me on this? Do I still have any takers? Do I still have any non-believers that most women are bisexual? No? Okay, let's continue. Pay attention to their actions and their efforts. You're there with your person and you're yeah, yeah, okay. every single time you put up yeah, at okay. yourself. But the trouble that I can Okay. Alright. Okay. Alright, <laughs> so she's having a problem with her tire and I'm by the way, also I have a flat tire. <laughs> uh look at this. I mean it's not flat flat, but there's definitely Yes, I believe she's um, a leak going on. Literally the same tire from a few weeks ago. Uh, do I have a flat tire? No, they all look fine. So when I saw the flat tire icon, I should have paid attention. <laughs> I feel like I can make it to the van. I'm not too far. It was the longest night ever. It was raining. She had to get two tow trucks, one for her truck and one for the trailer that was full of tools. Oh, so when she was coming to town, she was surprising me with tools for my property. So I'll show you guys that later. But we handled it. And this is the aftermath. We bought a hitch set so we can take my new tools to storage. I have never driven with... <laughs> I told you this. Okay, well, just drive slow. You, 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 you. <laughs> Get all the company. Is that cruise control right there on the side? No, I didn't switch. Okay. <laughs> you got me. 
look at it. But this absolutely makes me less interested in having an RV. I was yes. just going to say that. Is this my woman is home. This, this is where I live. So when you guys see me and you're like, oh my gosh, Nate, you are the best person in the entire world and I love you. <laughs> Can I see your van? Can you imagine if a random stranger just walked up to you and was like, hey, I want to follow you home. Can I see what your bed looks like? Most times I will offer, but if I don't, don't be offended. This is my home. I show you guys in the videos, but it's very different when you're actually there in person and you're in my space. It's very different. It's very different. So please, please don't ask to see what my bed looks like. That's what you said when you met To see your bed? Yeah. I did not. <laughs> don't even. But I did ask to see her coochie. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> I'm just over here trying to get my salad tossed and whatnot. <laughs> so I am on my way to my daughter's school to drop off her Valentine's flowers. I just took a break from work trying to get there early enough in the day so that she can, you know, walk around with them. Wait, so she has a job? What, what, what are we doing here? Through the hallway. I did the same thing last year, but she didn't go to the office until the end of the day. So they were just sitting there lonely. <laughs> anyway, so I'm pulling up here and gonna drop these off so I can finish my day and the rest of my day included a picnic with my fiance and some alcohol-free wine which is pointless this is day three of trying to clear out my storage but somehow I ended up acquiring more <laughs> than I had when I started I just finished up an organizing project and I brought all of their stuff that they decided to purge on here my daughter is right behind me and she is sorting through everything so that she can pick out what she wants so that she can put it up for sale in her online store so this project is going to take me a little bit longer than what I really want. Okay, okay. because let's, I wanted let's... her to be able to pick through what she wanted. So okay, okay. They primarily want new clothes. And I get it. I get it. There's people out there who don't have any clothes or toys or uh -huh. underwear. I, I would be okay with taking used underwear. <laughs> uh. Anyway, oh, so no. it's just it's going to be. A... Whew. This woman is mentally ill. I don't care what anyone says. This woman is mentally ill. The process, but I'm hoping within the next two weeks, this will all be cleared out. Benedict said I kind of fell off. No, I've been around, but y'all, I, I keep telling y'all, I don't, this is not my full time. Social media is not my full time. So okay. I'm like living life, I'm working and I'm doing all kinds of other shit. So I don't always have time to post. I'm trying to get better about it, but I got things to do. Sometimes I'll post for like, you know, a week or two and then I'll disappear for two or three weeks. I have a clean driving record. So when she told me I had a bench warrant, bitch. <laughs> Fuck that, hell no. How is the flat iron plugged in? Oh, you guys, I have a power station here. I have a, who is this? I have Facebook on my power station. Okay, hold on, wait. All right, it's plugged in the this thing. Can y'all see it? Tomorrow, we'll make it a whole year. Well, it'll be my one year anniversary that I stopped wearing bras. <laughs> Cheryl says you say I'm a lot I am very aware y'all I when I edit my videos I have to edit out how many times I say um I say it a lot and I already fucking know this my feelings let's play a game you guys give me a subject to talk about and I gotta talk about it for a minute without saying um and so I finally revealed to you guys that I bought land a year and a half ago so let's take a ride to go see my property so this is it this is the entry I have to dig a trench along the driveway so that when it rains the water doesn't wash along the driveway it'll just go down and it's going to go all the way down to the creek 
it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot, but um, we got this, right? Yeah, we got it. <laughs> you want your walking stick, babe? Sure. But don't you need it? I do. <laughs> <laughs> this is the biggest project and the first project. So starting off strong here. <laughs> this is a creek and I have to build a bridge to be able to drive across it. We had something put together here, but the water just washed everything away. And now we have to just completely start over. And I think this time the bridge is the solution. So that's that's step one. So that's gonna be fun for you guys to watch. So let's go around and um, make our way to the top of the property so that I can show you guys what's on the other side. You guys, I see wild turkeys. You see it? Look, look, baby, you don't see them? Baby, you don't see the wild turkeys? <laughs> you guys. This is where the pond is going to be. As you can see, there's like a little one over there, but we're going to extend it out. And it's going to basically be like this whole space here. So now we're going to go over to one of my favorite parts of the property. Let's just go take a look. So right beyond the pond are these white tags. This is where the property ends. But I bought another piece of property on the other side, and that's my daughter's plot of land. She does not like being outside, so I will claim it as my own. Platform here, mm, a higher platform, almost like a tree house. And then once that's done, we'll be able to camp up there. I love it because it's so secluded. There's no one out here, so I can be as naked as I wanna be. Can you see my underwear? No. Can you see my pads? No. Oh okay. God, seriously. <laughs> Well, I felt free until my fiance told me I had this long fucking hair growing out of my back. Look at this! After playing in the woods, I worked up an appetite, so I took myself out to eat, and this little guy strayed away from his family in the kitchen to come say hello right before my food came. What's this? Uh, you said, what is it? Yeah. <laughs> you know. He gonna act like he didn't know what it was, but it's okay. It's all good. Most people would have probably gotten up to leave at that point. Not you. You stayed and ate the food, right? But I was so hungry, and I ate it anyway, because... I feel like the old grandmother. Remember that episode in um, the Tyler Perry movie, right? You had Cicely Tyson and the other old matriarchs, and you hear Bill Withers' grandma's hands playing in the background. And as they walk through the family reunion, you saw the girls with all the showing all the cleavage, and then you saw the bo the guys shooting dice, and the old women are just like. What is going on with our family? And then grandma's hands playing in the background, and the and the old matriarchs are just disgusted at how their family done turned out. This is how I feel watching this bitch. Because <laughs> truthfully, I also eat ass, so a bug. Bye. Y'all, come on, we got. We got to do better. We got to do better. Oh no, y'all. This ain't the way. No, this ain't it, y'all. What in the hell? I don't even. I don't even know what where, where do we go from here? I. I Where do we go from here? Okay. Let me speed this up. 
speed this along. I, I spent way too much time, way too much, way too much. I feel like the old woman at the at the family reunion just disgusted with with all the all the offsprings, offsprings, offspring. Just disgusted. Like I didn't pick cotton and deal with massive for this. <laughs> I feel just disgusted. Ah, uh, shit. Yeah, I mean, that's great. Yeah, I ain't mad. Shit. I, I don't, you know what? I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, um, let's, uh, let's get to some, uh, some tribalism. Uh, let, let, let's, I don't know. I'm random shit at this point. People, African people stay here. Have Jamaican people stay here. Have white people stay here. Have Spanish people stay here, and have Black Americans stay here. I'm not saying not all Black Americans are bad, but the ones that came to my place have been nothing but problem. Uh -oh. Only two good ones came here. All of them fight late at night, not with me, with each other. They're disrespectful. They're entitled. They're un unappreciative. And it is that way because America has spoiled them and give them so much free shit where they think they could come to Jamaica and get the free same free shit out here and be nasty about it. I'm not saying all of you are like that. But because of that, I'm not risking my health and my happiness for people. No short-term stay. No short-term stay. It's not going to happen here. I'd rather eat salt and banana and let goats and cows live into my houses than I have people come here stress me. I will not hate my business because of customers. A lot of business people are miserable because of some kind of customer. Not this place. I don't want my place. is drama-free. She says she don't want to rent her place in Jamaica to black Americans. She she says she don't want to rent her place to black Americans in Jamaica because black Americans, we be wilding. Okay, let's let's keep it going. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let me find the other thing I wanted to talk to y'all about. This is heartbreaking. Oh my god. Oh my god. This is heartbreaking. Has anybody heard this story out of Russia? This is horrible. What they did to this boy. Okay, you ready? Here we go. An 11-year-old judo star was burned alive after he was doused in petrol and locked in a shed that was set on fire by envious older children. Albert Umbedarov was trapped in a shed in the woods in the Dubovaya uh, Roshka region of Moscow after an argument on Friday. A witness told that attackers had used conscious before dousing him in petrol and locking him in a shed they set on fire. The attackers were reportedly aged 13 to 15 and the horror captured on camera by a group of girls who were said to have uploaded the footage and streamed it online. Yo. When I said the hell with these kids back in 2018. No, Sly, you can't say that. You don't mean that. Yes, I do. Another witness said Albert was attacked out of envy as a successful judo athlete who was doing better than them. And that's the aftermath. 
And oh my gosh. All right, local media, uh, they they told local told media after the attack that there was a fight. One of the younger children who witnessed it said that the victim was beaten at his knees so he couldn't even run or walk. One of the boys in the group ran away as the older children attacked Albert. Younger children aged six and seven playing nearby were then then said to have ran to adults to get help. The father of one of his friends and his son had left the scene before the horror and returned later to find Albert had been burned to death. At 7 p.m. he called me in tears. Uh, said the father Alexi told me my friend burned to death in the shed I went there I saw the flames there was no one to be rescued by that time he said that men had arrived with shovels to try to get through the blaze to save the child but were too late the boys judo coach said Albert was smart and very peaceful he wouldn't offend a fly he was very hardworking and never had any issues he won several competitions he said he believed Albert would have been unconscious saying he would have been strong enough to force uh, his way out if awake when help arrived the boy's body was found inside the, the burn shed or listen and that was him first place that's the aftermath of the shed Okay, he says, uh, we see a trend when serious and particularly grave offenses are being committed by children. He also highlighted an increasing tendency of extremist crimes committed by young people with a sharp increase in 2022 and 2023 after the onset of this special military operation in Ukraine. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. Yeah, it couldn't be me. Listen, your mama got to go. Your daddy got to go. You got any siblings? They gotta go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm ending bloodlines. I'm ending bloodlines. There's nothing to talk about. I'm ending bloodlines. Y'all be mindful of envious. Oh, heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Yo, anyone see this? Now listen, I I I shop at Coach from time to time. This is I. Has anyone seen this? You know, if you shop at Coach, you get the email alerts for deals and, and new con- and new stuff, products and stuff. Did anybody see this? <laughs> anybody see this? Man, we ain't trying to lock nobody up. We trying to murder everybody. I wouldn't try to lock nobody up. Everybody got to go. Yeah, and the entire family. Cousins, dog, cat, fish. Your grandmama got to go, you know. But anyone see this from Coach? Cause I get coach emails and it says prefer not to hear about father's day. We know it can be a difficult time. So let us know if you'd like to opt out of father's day emails. This is from coach. Why would you want to opt out of father's day email notifications? Oh, please let the society crumble quickly 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 make it make sense y'all make it make sense I just got this a couple days ago I didn't I didn't know why why would you want (laughs) to 
Why would you want to? They make awesome stuff. I love their backpacks. I love their backpacks. They know their audience. Man, listen, I, I don't even know. This. I, I feel attacked. Like, are you? You're attacking me right now. I'm a father. What do you? What do you? What do you mean? Yeah. Ah, oh, listen. Or. We just catch, we just, we just catching it all the way around. I have no words. I think I might have to, yeah, report and unsubscribe from coach. You know? What? Because there's a bunch of nothing at, it can't be, the numbers don't support it. It is on Mother's Day too. I didn't get that email notification. I didn't get that alert. I sure as hell got this alert. I sure as hell got this alert. All right. Yikes. Let me do this. Okay. I want to go over this detransition um, interview. I, I want to cover it because this is this is crazy, yo. All right. So shout out to to the Inquisitors. You know, mainly Nick and, and Carrie, because you know. At one point, I think we were the only ones that really were covering detransitioning stories at one point a couple years ago. So let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Detransition horror stories. Let's go. Let's go. Let me speed that boy up some. Playback speed fast. All right. Shout out to... uh. Leela Rose, the Leela Rose podcast. This young person here, name is Cho Cole, Chu Cole, Chu Cole. So they're, they're having the issues detransitioning. Let's go. If somebody just told me, like, this isn't going to make you into a boy, and there's no guarantee that doing any of this is going to resolve your distress, you're perfect as you are as a woman. The issue isn't your body, it's the way that you think of it. And no matter what you, what you do to yourself, move out there's a pretty significant age gap between me and my older siblings about seven to eight years so i for a lot of my childhood i was kind of almost like an only only child and so i just turned to the internet and so context this is a cis female that transitioned to a male realized it's not what it was and now is detransitioning back to a female right okay let's go what was the internet what was that like turning to the internet what happened um I mean, I mostly, when I first started, before I got a phone, um, I got my first computer when I was about nine years old. It was a pre-built, like, gaming computer that my dad had for a while, and it was just kind of sitting around. He didn't really have any use for it. And so he just decided to, to give it to me. And I like doing artwork on there. I started with Microsoft Paint and a mouse, and then eventually, one year for Christmas, I got a, a drawing tablet. And I was really into communities having to do with artwork. And I also watched... I play video games on my PC and I watch streamers and I mean, I was, I was kind of a nerd, so I, I really like stuff like that. And I was really interested in online communities having to do with stuff with that. So when I got my first phone, um, I mean, everybody else my age was, was using the cell phone. Many of them had gotten phones as young as like second grade. How old were you at this time? I was 11. Okay. And now everybody's using social media apps like Instagram and Snapchat. And so yeah, like I wanted to kids. see, yeah, yeah, I wanted to see what I was missing out on. So of course... 
I decided to make my first accounts on on those platforms. And Instagram was the one that I used the most. It was the most engaging to me because I mean it's very image oriented and because I like seeing I like browsing communities around like art and the shows and anime that I watched and manga and uh, video games that I played. And that was actually my introduction to the trans community. It wasn't right away. It wasn't directly into that into the LGBT community. And here we go. So what I'll, what I'll do for this, I'll just break this up. Like I'm not going to cover the entire hour and a half tonight. So I'll do like 20 minute segments. And so every day we'll do a 20 minute segment covering this until we, it's completed. But this is heartbreaking. Let's get let's get into it. But a lot of users in these communities were people who identified as LGBT and especially like transgender or non-binary. And many of those individuals were girls around my age, anywhere from like 12 to maybe like their early 20s. And these people were quite like me in that they were kind of nerdy, <laughs> um, had always been on the boyish side from a very young age and often feel like they didn't really fit in. And there were posts they would make that were sometimes just not really related to the media that we were that they were that they were fans of it was about like their personal lives and i just felt like i really in some way that i connected to these people had you did you had you known anyone like that in school or had you ever met anyone like that no i i knew there was a girl i knew who was a lesbian but other than that it was really new to me because i I've, i heard the, the word transgender a few times being used by like adults in their conversations or on the tv but i never really cared about it until it was in my face. So what was the moment when you first began to think, well, maybe I'm transgender? Yeah, I mean, I was 11, 12 years old. So I was already at a point in time where naturally I started to to wonder about what I wanted to be in the world, who I was and what my role would be. And at first it started with, well, I've always kind of liked girls a little bit, so maybe... I'm not entirely straight. Maybe I'm bisexual or, or pansexual. And then eventually I just kept switching between labels, trying to figure out which one felt right. And it wasn't just about my sexuality or who I who I like now. It was about my gender because, I mean, I never really 100% felt like the other girls. You know, I had, I had different interests from them. I acted differently from them and I felt like I even looked differently from them. Um, I had some body image issues. I started developing at a really young age. I was around eight or nine, just going into fourth grade when my breasts started to visibly develop and I had to start wearing bras. And that was a really, that was a really difficult thing for me to adjust to, especially at a young age. Um, I grew up with older sisters, so I would, sometimes I would see them watching shows or like uh, they would have magazines around that were very like, I would often talk about things like relationships or like having, like having how you, how you look. And so from a very young age, I was very cognizant of of things like that. And I often felt like I just couldn't match up to these images that I would see in the media. And social media was really exacerbating that, especially on Instagram, where there's a lot of images of girls wearing a lot of makeup, wearing bikinis and very sexualized poses and in situations. Now, I don't now I'm piggybacking this, but and, and I, I guess once again, the hardest part of being a parent is 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 your children feeling comfortable enough to come talk to you about questions about sexuality and stuff like that it's never an easy ask of the child and then the parent has to be receptive and ready to answer these questions as well so and this is they and they prey on that they prey on that disconnect between the child and parent when it comes to sex right 
And on one hand, I didn't really want to be like that, but it was also like, if that's what being a girl is supposed to be like, why aren't I like that? I, I, I just don't think I match up to other women. And I mean, I thought that all being a woman had to offer was just hardship because that was all that I was taught. I would always hear about how, how terrible periods are, how scary the possibility of getting pregnant and then actually being pregnant and then how painful childbirth is and then how scary menopause is and other girls' accounts of being sexually abused or assaulted or stalked growing up. And it got to the point that I was like, well, is something like that going to happen to me when I'm an adult? Is, is this all that being a woman chalks up to? If it is, then I, I don't want any part of that. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty bum deal if that is all it is. And why would anyone want part of that? I thought it was. So you're online, you're seeing this other, you know, you're seeing tra- people that say they're transgender online doing mm. part of the art that you love and video games and things that you're already interested in. And you're having this sort of interior maybe conflict about what it means to even be a woman. So what happens next? Yeah, so as I dove further and further into the trans community and saw what it was all about, I wasn't really up until yeah, exactly. Menopause after the beginning age. of my medical transition, I wasn't really interacting directly with any individuals within the community. But I started seeing things about how people have sex brains, how if somebody experiences gender dysphoria or even acts more like the opposite sex, then that probably means, that very likely means actually, that they have a brain that is more like the opposite sex and that is what's making them feel that way or behave that way. And, you know, there's always, I, I always felt like there was something separating me from other kids my age and especially other girls. And the more I read up into it, the more it made sense to me. And eventually I just felt like, there's just no way that I could be a girl. I think that I was actually supposed to be a boy this whole time. And... And as a parent, how do you combat that? Like, how do you talk her off the ledge? Like, I, I don't know. I, you know, you can fault the parents to a, certain, to a certain extent, but then it's like, you know, once you leave the house and you're on the phone and you're around the kids and uh, social media, it's like the peer pressure. Oh, my gosh. Did you feel, I'm going to start pursuing that. And Did you feel very unhappy during that time? Like, you, you said you wanted to figure out as an 11-year-old, like, what is, what's my role in the world or how do I, what is my future like? Did you feel like a deep discontent or unhappiness or anxiety? Or what was that feeling like as you were having that logical progression of, well, if these things don't add up and this is what this you know, research says, then I or these people online are saying, then this means that I must be, I must not be a girl. But what was going on inside your, your I guess, your emotions in your heart? Um, I mean, I was at a new school. I, I'd been there for a few years, but I just didn't really fit in. And it was kind of clicky. Um, and I didn't really have a lot of close friends. So I was, I was kind of lonely. But... I feel like that's pretty normal at that age. I think most kids that age feel like that. So when you, after you went through this sort of thought process, what did you do with, what did you do with the conclusion that you reached? I'm a boy. I thought that, I believe that I was actually a boy and that I was actually my parents' son and not their daughter. And so I started pursuing that and, uh, I started to experiment a little with my expression, started cutting my hair shorter slowly and slowly over time. Um, whenever I'd go shopping, I'd start going for the boy section more often. And I mean, 
it wasn't unusual for me to do that, but I was try I was starting to get rid of all my skirts and dresses and pinks and bright colors and swap it out for a more masculine wardrobe. And um, I um, started telling my some of my friends, my closer friends at school, that I was going to transition. That I wanted to I wanted them to refer to me by a new name, by new pronouns, and as a boy. And most of them actually responded pretty negatively. the The love bombing didn't really come right away. As they the affirmation, right, right, right. Because even her friends, like, girl, you, you bugging. Yeah, shout out to her friends for keeping it real with her. That's that, that's some real friends. She kept they kept a buck with her. Like, no, bitch, you 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 are one of us. <laughs> really come right away. Um, and I actually got bullied for a little bit. There are a lot of people who picked on me for it, but um, I waited a little bit to tell my parents about it because I I was really. I was scared of how they would react. I didn't know if they were going to be supportive of me doing this. But I knew that I, I mean, if I wanted to go through transition, I couldn't keep them in, in the dark for long. What was it like telling your parents? Oh, it was something that I'd been wanting to do for some time, but I just wasn't sure of how they would react. I didn't know if, I mean, I'd heard stories from, from other transgender people about their pa- their parents almost hating them after they told them that they were transgender. Even some kids getting getting kicked out or moving to a new home and just being in a really rough home situation. And I didn't really expect anything like that out of out of my own parents. I knew that they would love me still, but it made it a little bit more tense. And so I decided that I would write them a letter so that I didn't have to bring it up face to face, that I could give them some time to, to think about it. Because I, I knew that as a parent, that's gotta be a hard thing to hear from your own kid. I don't think anybody would really expect that. So I gave them some time. I just told them that I had something important to tell them that I left on the coffee table and I was looking forward to how they would respond. And uh, when they read it, they were they were supportive at first. They wanted me to they wanted to be supportive of me and to help me get through this. But at the same time they were also very cautious and they didn't really know where this feeling was coming from okay. they didn't know what to do about this uh-huh. so they decided that i mean we're not experts on this so we're gonna get a professional involved instead and we're gonna get you a therapist and did you go to a therapist yeah i did this was the first time you were gonna you, you'd been to therapy yeah i mean i i've been to a psychiatrist before as a kid um and gotten diagnosed with adhd before but not like a like a personal therapist or anything like that. Did you feel like you still had ADHD at this point? And how um, is that affecting you? I mean, I didn't doubt the diagnosis for a while. I was a kid who was pretty inattentive in a lot of my classes. I didn't I often just skipped out on my schoolwork and didn't really pay attention because I just didn't really see any meaning in, in doing, doing any of it. Um, and... I, w- I had like, I had really bad organization skills growing up, and it's still something that I kind of uh, struggle with. But I also had some social difficulties growing up, which I've I've heard is common for people with ADHD. But it was really hard for me growing up, and I thought that I think part of it is that I was so heavily pathologized as a kid that I just accepted that all of my my hardships came down to clinical issues. But I think that. I think now that the ADHD diagnosis was actually false and that I'm actually on the spectrum, but they just, 
refuse to to diagnose me with it. Almost like the word is word autism is too scary to say out loud. Like I I had a screening for it when I was about four or five because I wasn't really my teachers in preschool and kindergarten noticed that I wasn't really interacting normally with other kids and that I was kind of just aloof and in my own world. And I had some symptoms of it that they thought was, they told my parents, like, you should probably get your, your kid, um, you should probably get a screening for your kid. And they did. And the physician just told them, I think your kid's too smart to be on the spectrum. She's, she's very smart. She's very smart for age. <laughs> That's so crazy because so many autistic people with autism can be so smart. Right. Um, and so that's just kind of a, a weird thing to say. Yeah, I had a second series of screenings when I was 17 years old. And it was pretty much the same response. Like, well, you're really well. Um, and one, from what I gather, this is a gr she's grown at this point. Like she's early 20s from what I gather. Spoken and you're really intelligent. It's it's not impossible. It's a possibility. But let's let's wait a little bit. What blows my mind with all of this, and we're obviously going to get into like what happens with this crazy thing that you endured with Kaiser and, and, and all of that. But even what you just said earlier, you felt pathologized. It was like very insightful what you said, like you felt pathologized as a kid, I think, yeah. the words you used. And I think our society is so unable to deal with just people that are just different. Like we have this expectation of the way you have to be. So if you just act different socially, because I grew up homeschooled. I grew up because kind of like, you know, a nerd among nerds. My dad, you know, my mom jokes, my dad might be on the spectrum, you know, <laughs> things like that. And it's like, I don't know if that's a joke, but you know, because he's highly bright and a little bit, you know, interacts socially just different than other people. And just like all this pathologizing of kids just because they're different. Yeah. When everyone's different in different ways, right? So not to like overgeneralize, but I think we do our disservice to kids and absolutely and authentic diversity like diversity of personality and talent by making medical issues out of all of it you know yeah all a medical issue yeah and i was also diagnosed with disruptive behavior disorder what does that mean well for me i mean i really struggled with making friends and i was getting bullied quite a bit in elementary school and i would often take it out physically on my bullies i would often hit them like push them to the ground like throw things at them. I would often throw tantrums in class and I didn't really know how to emotionally regulate myself and I would take it out externally, I guess. How old were you? I was, I think like five to eight years old. Hey, listen, man. Okay, we're going to stop it here. This is part one. I can't right now. <laughs> this is part one. We will continue every day until we hit the end of this this interview because this thing is an hour and 49 minutes we got 20 minutes we knocked out 20 minutes we will continue this part two tomorrow listen you know what i, I don't know some people are just hell-bent on learning things the hard way yeah you can fault the parents to a certain degree but i i, I don't know i i don't know um shit all right, let me cover this last story. What's my cash app? My cash app is, wait, where is it at? It should be up here, the ticker. Where is it at? Scroll, 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 damn it. Can I put it up there? Is it not up there? There we go. Cash app is the dollar sign super slash 75. All right, let's get to Dr. Um, David, or no, Dr. Rashid Batar. Dr. Rashid Batar passed away 
literally, literally a couple of days ago. Okay. Why am I talking about Dr. Rashid Batar? Because he was one of those guys, those, those good doctors that were like, Hey, this is not what it is. He died on May 18th. Okay. He, his final interview was literally, was it the day before? The day before. He gave his final interview the day before. This is wildness. Let's go. You know, the, I went through a very difficult personal health challenge a few months. I was in the ICU. I had been poisoned with the 200 times the amount of what's in the vaccinations. And I've said publicly, you know, you'd have to shoot me in the head with lead, um, i.e. a bullet, because I'm never going to take the vaccine. So I was actually intentionally poisoned. And part of it was, I, I believe, right before that C or right after that CNN interview. Um, but regardless of what happened, uh, the, the message I want people to know is remember the, the, the importance of exercising free will. And then also as a default, as a backup, slow down and remember that God is in control. Okay. That he gave that one day before he died. Literally that man looked and sounded pretty well, right? For a man that was going to die 24 hours later. So, Hey, okay. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Okay. Deeply saddened. Um, you know what? Just just go ahead and just look him up real quick. Rashid Batar. Now I remember him on Twitter because you know at that time when you made it when you when they drew the line in the sand, it was like okay, what are you gonna do? And everybody that was against taking it was called every name in the book, you know. Um, Man, let me see. Yeah, Huntersville, North Carolina. Now, mind you, he he was no no slouch, no dummy. Like you know, he knew his stuff. Damn, get out of here! All right. Um. Yeah, medical director for Centers of, of Advanced Medicine. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Here since twenty seventeen. He had hosted the round table a couple years ago. Okay, he's a medical toxicologist. Medical toxicologist specialist. So if anybody knows anything, he it's him. So he sees the blood and all the all the inner workings and all that good stuff. Graduated from uh, University of Texas Austin Campus School of Medicine. Okay. Son of Pakistani parents. He was born in London. Came to the U.S. at the age of nine. Um, uh, 
Okay, so he's been criticized for using collation therapies. So he's one of those guys. Okay, sent a warning for illegally marketing unapproved topical creams. Okay, then I discipline him after receiving two complaints. Mm. Okay, so <laughs> theory claiming that uh, NIAID uh, Fauci's research helped create the, the, the C19. So he's one of those guys. See, yeah, yeah. He was talking too much. But they had to get him up out of there. That's not good. That's not good. Okay. Nothing to see there. Go to this. And we end that. And we end that. Oh, last story. I, I, I keep forgetting to cover this. So Kansas City. No, not Kansas City. Where does it take place in? It took place in Michigan. So this guy participated in a, a drill. I didn't believe it when I first read this shit, but let, let's, let's get into it. So worker told to pose as a shooter for a drill. Then the cops hold him at gunpoint. Uh, a man employed as a skilled laborer at a children's psychi- uh, psychiatric hospital was instructed to pose as one of two intruders for an active shooter drill at the facility. Um, didn't know what the sta- hospital staff was children under their care. And the police had no idea. It was a drill that day. Uh, Woodruff was unaware. Employees were fearing for their lives and frantically calling 911, telling authorities that two men armed with AR-15s were inside the building. He was soon fear for his own life. So they set this man up. He and a coworker were told to pose as a second intruder stepped outside after completing their part of the drill. They were met with police Officers in tactical gear and guns drawn, pointing at them, shouting, get down through a bullhorn. After being held at gunpoint, Woodruff and his colleague were handcuffed and detained for about 30 minutes. I'm the one who almost got killed, but I'm honestly more concerned about the kids and how the other staffers feel. He said at that moment, they were afraid of him. Uh, Suing four Hawthorne Center officials, including his supervisor, who asked him to pretend to be the intruder over the unannounced drill. The lawsuit shows the center is run by the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Um, okay, State Health Department officials, public information officer Chelsea Wooth told McClatchy News in a statement on May 19th that the agency understands that our patients, staff, and community were affected by the incident in December. She said state-run psychiatric hospitals must conduct safety analysis, including active shooter drills, at least every two years. So the morning of the drill, they were told to walk through the center, ensure the doors were locked, and that staff and children were hidden. Woodruff, had, who had started working at the facility in July, was under the impression that this was a typical safety exercise for the facility. Okay, so uh, facility state designated, designated safety officer ordered him and a maintenance department worker to pretend they were active intruders in a drill. Uh, at that time, he and his wife's baby were due in 2023, and he felt he couldn't refuse an order from his supervisor out of fear of potentially losing his job, according to the complaint. Although his supervisor asked him to carry an object with him during the drill, Woodruff said, or Woodruff didn't do so and thought the request was unusual. The drill began with a panicked voice of a front desk worker who announced active intruders who were inside the building over an announcement system between 10 and 11 a.m. 
Woodruff's supervisor made a second announcement saying two active intruders, one Caucasian male, one African-American male, armed with AR-15 shots fired, the complaint says. Holy cow. Uh, chaos and fear erupted throughout the hospital. Children were crying. Staff were extremely af- afraid as some sent what they thought could be their last messages to their loved ones and barricaded themselves inside the rooms. Uh, Woodruff and his colleague finished their task. They saw armed police officers with at least eight patrol cars ordering them to get down when they walked outside the building. Woodruff scared he was about to die, complied, and had his Apple Watch call his wife so she could hear the last moments of his life. Ultimately, the officers frisked and handcuffed his colleague and then ordered Woodruff to get up before searching him. Woodruff tried telling officers he was an employee, but he was handcuffed and detained. They call it a surprise drill that was unannounced according to the release. Now, the Michigan Attorney General's office is reviewing the incident. The matter was referred to the office of by, by Michigan State Police for review of possible criminal charges. Uh, you think? State police are investigating the active shooter drill, and Attorney General's office will make any possible charging decisions. Meanwhile, the drill left Woodrow for trauma, and he regularly experiences emotional distress, including panic and anxiety attacks. Uh, Woodruff's lawsuit isn't the only lawsuit filed over the drill. A class action lawsuit was also filed by parents of a child receiving treatment at the center as well as state health department employees. Wow. Yo, they try to line this dude up. They try to line him up. That is crazy. Y'all be careful out here with y'all supervisors and stuff. Right? Oh, wait, how much time I had? 15 minutes left. Let's do this. Let's spend the next 15 minutes covering some dead bedrooms. Let's do that. Let's do some dead bedroom. Y'all want to do some dead bedroom? Yeah. I say you want to do some dead bedroom? Yeah. All right, here we go. You want it. You got it. Some dead bedroom. <laughs> Let's go. Dead bedroom. Where should we go? Where should we go? Hey, let's do this. I don't want to do to anyone. No one to talk to. Nope. Okay. Okay. Let's do this one. I don't even know where to start. Okay. My husband, 46 male and I, 46 female have been together since we were 18 and have been married for 24 years. It's been months, maybe over a year since we've had fulfilling sex. The problem is I want to, and he doesn't, he has no drive. He says he wants to, he says he wants to want to, but it's literally about two minutes experience if he even tries. I'm free to suck him off whenever though, and it takes forever to get him off. I'm struggling with anxiety and self-esteem, and this isn't helping. What I'm most sad about is that he doesn't even try to do anything about it. Like, doesn't he love me enough to want to try? I'm not sure why I get frisky when I'm struggling with anxiety. I think it's because that's the safe place for me. Like, it's when I feel loved and cared for and wanted and safe. I tried talking to him about it, the lack of sex, and he just makes the same old speech. We're not young anymore. We're old and fat and tired. All true. We've got three kids, two dogs, and we're never alone. But it's not that because we do find moments of alone. I just don't think he wants me and I'm devastated. I feel like a nympho and the one and the one rejected. I'm sure I'm I'm a sure thing and that's not enough anymore. I'm the sexless innkeeper. I just needed to vent. Not interested in going outside of my marriage, so we'll be ignoring all messages I'm now getting. <laughs> Listen, people willing to help. People willing to help. That's wow. Okay, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. 
General advice, long time dead bedroom. My husband and I have been together for over 20 years. And what started out as a passionate relationship in our 20s quickly tanked after I went on meds for depression and completely lost my libido. After a year or two of duty sex, I stopped because it felt disingenuous. We spent years in a cycle of guilt, mine, rejection, frustration, defensiveness, him, and sexual efforts on both our parts, always feeling like bad timing and often ended in tears. He had a lot of anger due to this situation triggering some abandonment issues as well as some childhood sexual abuse in the mix. And he was really bummed that we couldn't connect on that level of physical intimacy. When I offered that he could be with someone else, he, he refused because he said he wanted it with me. Even as my libido returned, I didn't really feel safe with him due to his anger and defensiveness. And it was so hard to get through the baggage of our dynamic around sex. We eventually stopped trying. A few years ago, he had an affair in the midst of a personal meltdown, which caused a much needed rupture in our relationship. With the help of lots of therapy, individual and couples, our relationship got so much healthier. Our communication is much better. We're more loving and we just really, really like each other. We laugh a lot and find each other interesting. He's told me many times he plans to spend his whole life with me. Thing is, we still don't have sex. Or even really make out. We can be affectionate, but it never gets sexual. I'll try to kiss him sometimes and he won't let it go on for long enough to build up anything. I've mentioned it gently. I'd love to kiss you more type thing. And he agrees, but it doesn't seem to help. I think we're both a bit gun shy after so many years of defensiveness and rejection. And we just don't know how to be with each other that way. Even though we're great at talking through other relationship stuff, sex isn't really in the dialogue. It's almost like we're too shy to go there. Lately, I've been definitely craving sex and feeling eager to explore this part of my life that has been in hibernation for so long. I do think about doing that with others who I don't have the baggage with so much easier, hotter, but our bond is too important to me to risk. Plus, I know ultimately it's something we could really benefit from building together. I'm wondering if anyone relates and could offer some advice about how to encourage introducing more physicality, sensuality into the relationship without putting pressure on it. I think we've dealt with so many things that were blocks in the past and I have hoped that we can get there. Just not sure on the best or any approach. What? What? I'm just going through these comments. I'm just going through these comments. I will never be in a sexless relationship. Y'all just be roommates. Hey man, I'm just saying, never say never. You got PhDs that came that come here that that are down the street in the very we're in the very same predicament. So, you know, never say never. Like it'll never be me. Shit. Listen, life happens. Life happens. I'm out, fam. No dead room, no bed. No dead bedroom juju for me. <laughs> I can take you. <laughs> ah, this is hilarious. Hilarious. Okay, okay. If I'm depressed, I'd rather eat some edibles, smoke a blunt, and eat some snacks and go to sleep. Tomorrow will be a better day. I can't with y'all. All right, let me see how much time I got left. Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Uh-oh. Uh oh, let's do this one. The sadness is overwhelming. We've had sex once in the past six months, but she, 32 female, wants a second child. 
and has brought it up multiple times the past year. Our first child is now three. I, a 34 male, am sure if she understands how the whole thing works still, like sex, is required to have a kid. <coughs> Shit. But I don't know if I want a second child with her when our sexual relationship is dead. We were normally once per month, but the first five years of marriage, which at the time I thought sucked bad, but just enough to keep me from going crazy. And then we had our first child and it went over a year from the day of conception, which I understand now it's becoming normal for two to three months in between. And right now it's over six months. And whenever it does happen, I feel that she thinks she's just doing me a favor. There is no desire or passion. She doesn't have an itch or need like I do. I'm depressed, resentful, lonely, and craving intimacy of any kind. We've had the talks. I've made the playful hints and flirted, planned date nights without our child. I've tried everything. I've considered finding it elsewhere, but it's impossible to find at my age. I don't have the time for the bullshit. Uh, I'll keep my comments to myself. I'll keep my comments to myself. Uh Oh, young people, young people. So tired of hearing how wild my friend's sex life is. I'm too young to be dealing with this. I feel I can't even contribute to the conversations anymore because I truly have nothing sexually exciting to talk about. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Let's do this. Suggestions on if it's okay to ask my partner to try Makarut. Um, my partner and I used to have quite an active sex life about a month ago. Her SSRI dose was changed and she noticed a huge benefit to her mental health, but it's killed her libido entirely. I have brought it up to her in a healthy manner and have not been pushy or manipulative about the lack of sex, but I'm getting frustrated and have looked into some supplements that might help. Makarut has been used in studies specifically for women whose libido has been lowered due to SSRI use. Is it wrong? Of me to suggest this, or is it a fair thing to ask of her? Hmm. Hmm. Okay, let's do this one. Let me get out of here. Even when she, low libido female, agrees to have sex with me, high libido male, it's so unenthusiastic that I get turned off immediately. Oh, I deleted it. Oh, they deleted it. That's okay. I understand. I understand. It's okay. Uh oh. Might sleep with someone else. Finally agreed to my high libido 36 male wife's 30, uh, low libido 34 male suggestion of sleeping with someone else if that helps us stay together. Rejected the idea the first time we argued, agreed to it the last time we did yesterday. Feel bad about it. I want the lust to be reciprocal, but it won't happen. This might be the only way. Mm, 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 mm. Mm, mm. Uh oh. This this sounds crazy. Okay. I've started dating myself, and after dressing up, taking myself out for nice dinners, a few hotel rooms with a king bed all to myself, and getting myself off as much as I want, I'm remembering that I'm pretty awesome and worthy of romance and intimacy. I'm thankful that I've had a busier work travel schedule that sort of forced me into dining out and staying in nice hotels and decided that if I don't get this from my husband, I can at least give it to myself. But damn, it would be so much better if it were, sh uh, were a shared experience with the man I love because it's a good time. 
I took him out for his birthday a few weeks ago, put on a dress. I know I look smoking hot and in my tallest heels. And he told me I look nice. It's not nothing, but it's almost worse because it's so fucking bland. So I've started giving myself the compliments that I wish he he would and deciding that I believe myself because I'm sick of feeling unattractive when I know objectively that I'm not. But this still sucks. Please send wine. Holy shnikey. We're going to do one more. We're going to do one more. Let's do one more. Let's do one more. Oh, let's do this. Let's do this. My wife hates me. She went out of town and something in my brain woke. She's been gone for a week. In that time, I've gone to two nude beaches, blown a guy in his driveway, attempted to hire two escorts and gone to a rave and some took Molly or and took some Molly. There's a lot of minor shit I'm not including as well. Now it's Sunday and her flight lands tonight. I called her and came clean. I don't understand what I completely unhinged like that, but I did. And her leaving was a big piece of it. Her feelings are really hurt. What the have just happened? Can anyone relate? What? What? Wow. Okay. That, that was kind of short. That was kind of short. Let's do this one. Okay. Let's do this one. Cried all night. I, 27 female, spent all last night crying after my husband, 44 male, said I looked ridiculous for trying so hard. I couldn't help it. The tears just came out. It shattered the last bit of confidence I had. Yesterday, I told him someone would enjoy this. Not you, but someone. Uh-oh. I had bought a bunch of new sexy PJs for bed, and I was so excited to wear them. I really had a boost in confidence since getting back into shape. I just felt really beautiful. Last night, he flirted with me before he got in the shower, and I thought he was finally responding to me. Got my hopes up in bed. We talked and he started talking about my appearance and what I was wearing. It made me feel so bad. I even went and changed into some sweatpants and a t-shirt. I was so embarrassed today. I didn't even want to get out of bed. I even took off my wedding ring. Not that he would have even noticed. Oof. Oof. Oh, let's do this. Okay. Scheduled sex, making things worse. Our couple's therapist recommended that my wife, low libido female, and I, high libido female, oh, these are two women, okay, try regularly scheduling sex once a week. I was dubious going into it because we have tried this before and because my wife has a vulvodynia and frequent UTIs, sex is frequently off the table for pain and health reasons. What this has turned into is a regular day when we get in bed and cuddle and then she springs on me that she's not feeling up to it. She offers to get me off, but honestly, I can do that better and more satisfyingly by myself. And the duty fingering she does isn't very pleasurable anymore. I'm not chasing orgasms. I'm missing the deep connection that comes with my partner after enjoying pleasuring each other. But even when she's feeling up to it, sex usually means using a toy on her and not touching her at all. It's extremely clinical. I feel like a jerk because I know she is often in pain and I completely understanding that it means sex just is impossible. Sometimes I don't want to hurt. I don't want her to hurt. I don't want her to, to have sex. She doesn't want. She says that she does have pain free times where having sex would be possible, but she doesn't think about it. Then 
She also has a history of avoiding talking to her doctor or minimizing her symptoms or not doing the follow-up pelvic floor exercises she's given and then saying the therapy didn't work. She has been intensely resistant to talking to a therapist about it. After eight years of long stretches of no sex at all, sprinkled with attempts like this that only leave me feeling worse, I think I have to accept that this is a need uh, I have that she will never be able to fill. I want to feel loved, desired, but lately all I feel is used. Mm, mm, mm. Terrible. 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 All right, I'm checking the comments. Even a blatant womanizer has a taste for home. <laughs> I... Um, okay, so honestly, because a lot of people don't talk about libido when you, when you marry somebody, like I didn't have a libido talk with her. Like, you know, no one has that talk. So it's, it's very possible that you may marry a low libido person. Like, you know, when everybody gets together the first year or two, it's always hot and heavy, but then once the routine comes in, life settles in and then you see who really has what. You know, it's very, very easy to all of a sudden realize, okay, I have low libido or she has low libido, whatever the case may be, vice versa. So it's not like something you could vet out of somebody unless you have an expe a specific talk about the regularity of sex. And even then, you can't gauge it until you actually get together and get, and get under one roof for routine. All right? So, yeah. All right, all right, okay. Yeah, listen, see, this is why he can't take roles everywhere with y'all. See, no, no. Is that a Stuart Smiley recital? See, Rose be doing the most. Sis be doing the most. All right, do I got any happy stories? Oh, you know what? Okay, let's do that. Let's look for a happy dead bedroom story. Let's do that. Okay, yeah, let's end this on a good note. How about that? I'm, I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm with it. Let's let's find a happy ending. Oh, here we go. Positive progress uh, post. Let's go. Let's go. Sometimes things can be fixed. All right. This is a, okay. This sounds like it. Okay. I just want to share this here. I know it does not apply to everyone's situation, but it can apply to some. I 56 male and my wife 51 female had a dead bedroom for most of our marriage about five years. Last October, we were ready to call it quits. I was unhappy, resentful, and frustrated. I saw an attorney and was having divorce papers drawn up. The day I saw the attorney, my wife asked if we could talk. We had an open and vulnerable conversation about the relationship. I decided to put aside my resentments during the conversation. This allowed me to really listen to what she had to say. It also allowed her to feel comfortable enough to tell me what she felt. We really did not even discuss the sex, just the things that were causing our lack of deep connection. She pointed out things I was or was not doing that, that were part of the problem and also took responsibility for her own problems that were also part of the cause. I agreed to work on my issues and she agreed to work on hers. I took sex off the table to help provide a better environment for us to do this and to make her feel less pressure. Now, I know these guys like to have this whole, you get married for instant sexual access. That's, even that is not the case anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But let's continue. 
We had one advantage that many do not have. I work away, so we are only together on weekends. We worked on our issues during the week and then got together on weekends and just spent time together. We played cards, went out to dinner, no sex, no expectation of sex. I had given her total control over it. I, I, I don't know. I had given her total control over if it would come back or if it would ever come back. I set a time limit to myself that if by a certain amount of time passing, there was no improvements in our relationship that I would go ahead and file. Things improved enough that February. So she made the decision on a trip to put sex back on the table. It has been a slow incremental improvement since then. Now it has improved to around once a week, always her choice. From my point of view, here are the critical things that have happened with me moving my focus off of sex to the relationship. She saw this and felt safer and closer. A very significant incident was one weekend. She was not feeling well, but offered sex. I told her no, not out of resentment or just to get back at her, but because I could see that she needed the rest more than I needed sex. I was kind and told her she needed to rest and that I was perfectly happy to not have sex. This removed any pressure she was putting on herself. She saw this and felt this. Her trust and love, her trust in my love and caring for her dramatically increased. We now are having sex almost once a week and always by her initiation. I still do not ask or initiate at this point. The sex we have now is better and different than what she felt so much pressure and resentment for me. There is an intimacy that was missing before, more kissing than cuddling. I never bring up the subject of sex unless she does. And she does this more often, more and more often. We are growing very close again in our trust in each other and the relationship is growing. Uh, I, re I recommended the things I did to help myself. I sought therapy and also used a book called How to Be an Adult in a Relationship. These things have helped me to improve myself in our relationship. Are we completely better? No, I believe that it will take time and effort on both of our parts still. But it has improved to the point I feel we can continue to be patient with each other and work to meet our goals of what we need in our relationship. Sorry, this was so long, but I just wanted to share my experience and give hope to those. Oh, they shooting. Uh oh, uh oh, they shooting. I made you look some, some page in my rhyme book. Yeah, they out here shooting. All right. Damn. Okay. Um, good for them. I, I would never, I would never put up with that. I just, some things I just, I'm not going to do. Okay, I'm a, I'm I'm Mr. Crash and Burn. I'll crash and burn some shit. Hey, one, hey, one, where you at, bro? Thank you for the twenty five and the cash app, bro. Shout out to A and one. I appreciate that, brother. Thank you. Um, I'm not putting that type of work. I mean, kudos to him and and his wife. But once again, y'all can stop this marrying marriage for access for sexual access. At the end of the day, if the woman does not want to have sex with you. Ain't shit you can do about it. Those those old days of the fifties and sixties, like you wanna give me some. Them days are gone. <laughs> those days are gone. But I'm happy for them. I'm happy for them. Shout out to them. So, um, yeah. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So I'm gonna get out of here. And uh, I thank everybody for hanging out. And we will continue with part two and three of the detransition horror story of. Chu Chloe, is that, is that her name? Chu Chloe, whatever. So, um, I'll see y'all back in about twenty four hours. Y'all have a good night, peace. That's a firework. That's a fireworks. Okay, y'all have a good night, peace.